again to the smoky steak podcast this is of course the world's only english language podcast all about brazilian football i am your host peter joined as always by enric and we've got a great episode here we've reached the halfway point in the brazilian season um we've got some call-ups that we're going to talk about and of course we had the semifinals of the copa de brazil second leg we have the finalists we'll uh we'll end with that it was really exciting. Um, in the meantime, uh, you will hear this episode hopefully right after you've listened to our interview with Mauricio Destri. This is episode 61. That episode is going to be episode 60, releasing them back to back. So if you're hearing this and you haven't listened to Mauricio's interview, go check it out. He's, of course, the uh, uh, color commentator for uh, Brasileiro Rao Play. You hear him on uh, Fanatiz and, and Paramount+. Plus. Um, and I think they all roll up under CBS Sports. So go listen to that. He's a passionate Sao Paulo supporter, and he was on the ground. Uh, and he was kind of our eyes and ears uh, as we talked to all things Sao Paulo and, and their progression to the final. Um, but first, let's bring in Enric. Enric, what's going on? Uh, hope you're doing well. Seen a lot of you this week. Um, and we we can just jump right into it. Uh, you know, kind of say hi to everyone and maybe just... Let's just jump into the big Brazilian call-ups for the uh, World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been a wonderful week. Obviously, we had that interview with Marisa, which was great to talk about Sao Paulo and how the club is doing at the moment. But, of course, we have other games uh, running through the past weekend and then midweek. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. For sure. And like I just said, uh, World Cup qualifiers and Olympic qualifying squads just came out today. Today's Friday uh, for the Selecao. And Enric, I think there were some eyebrow-raising players, some some call-ups that um, I think that maybe threw us for a loop. Of course, Fernando Denise is now in charge. He's uh, temporarily in charge while we wait for Ancelotti. Um, and he has called some players that I'm really glad are getting a look. Um, I'll let you have the floor, but I just want to start off by saying Bento. Uh, finally, we've talked about it a bunch. I know a lot of people have talked about it, but finally Bento takes that third spot for uh, the goalkeepers. Uh, a lot of people say he's the best in Brazil. Um, he plays for Atletico Paranaense, but he takes Weverton's spot long overdue uh, behind Ellison and Ederson uh on the squad so really nice to see but other than that uh who are you liking in this squad and uh you know do you think this is a a good enough team to get the wins uh against Bolivia and Peru yeah this is a cool lineup that the new coach Fernando Geniz just called I was listening on YouTube whenever he did the call-ups live and first name he mentioned was Alisson Liverpool then he goes Bento Atletico Paranaense so (laughs) At that moment, I'm thinking, okay, who's the third choice keeper? Is there another Brasileiro? But no, it's Ederson, which is cool. And I'm very happy that Bento got his first call-up. 
I think he really deserves it. He's been really good uh, when playing for Atletico Paranaense. And compared to the likes of Rafael and uh, João Paulo, I think he's slightly better. But yeah, we'll see how he does. And hopefully he gets some time and minutes against Bolivia and Peru. Two opponents that I think they're easily capable for Brazil to beat. And uh, going into defenders, Gabriel Magalhaes for Arsenal, Ibanez, Marquinhos, Nino, Danilo, Vanderson, and Caio Enrique of Monaco, and then Renan Lodge. I was surprised with him moving to Marseille. I thought he was still at Nottingham Forest, but uh, overall, I like the choices here as well. Obviously, Militao is injured, and Marquinhos uh, coming from PSG, I think he's going to be our main center back, and alongside him, Nino almost got the call up last time. He got injured with Fluminense. Now he has a chance to prove himself with his current coach at the club. So it's nice to see. And uh, I see Ibanya's name there. Uh, he moved from Roma to Al-Ahli. I think that's a team where Firmino plays. And I think the coach made this decision because it was probably weird just to see a Neymar, uh, the player at Al-Hilal. And he thought, okay, let's call another Saudi league player and he chose he chose to take Ibanez which is cool uh obviously we talked about him a lot uh in the beginning of our podcast back in August and yeah uh, he might have some minutes and time and we'll have to see how he does for the Salsao yeah nice and and, and um I'm not sure if you did you did you mention Vanderson and Cairo Henrique both from Monaco like to see that moving to the midfielders here um uh Rafael Vega getting the call once again, um, I think warranted. Um, and Andre, I think this is the the call up that everyone's mostly excited for. Of course, bossing uh, defensive midfield for Fluminense. He's been so good in Libertadores and in Brasileirao. So really excited to see him uh, in the fair, in the famous canary yellow shirt. Um, Enric, pretty standard striker uh, lineup here, but with one exception, um, Mateus Cunha, not to be confused with the goalkeeper by the same name for Flamengo, from Wolves, though, the striker, Mateus Cunha from Wolves. Don't like this one. Don't like it at all. He hasn't really been that successful, in my opinion, for Wolves. Uh, he wasn't successful for Atletico Madrid, and he hasn't really been a force, in my opinion, um, in European football for a few years now. So um, not one of my favorite call-ups but maybe denise has a plan uh any thoughts on the the mids and the strikers well in the strikers i like how he gave mateos cunha a chance because obviously we saw him crying after tita didn't call him for the world cup uh in the national team so maybe he has a chance here to play in the cup uh in the qualifier squad so yeah i like it uh let's see what he does if he gets some minutes and if I had to choose, I would have loved to see at least one Brasileirao striker. Obviously, Chiquinho Soares is injured, but anyone in the likes of Pedro or even Davison, he's been fired for Cuiabá, second top goal scorer in the Brasileirao. So, yeah, it would have been nice to see at least one, but uh, it wasn't the case. And uh, other than that, I think the choices that he made overall are pretty good and if there's a player left out as Lucas Paqueta, which I would have loved to see in the midfield, but what can you do? Uh, this is Denis' first call, and I believe if things go well in the Salasau until next year, 
the Brazilian national team is probably going to say, you know what, keep going, do what you're doing, and then Ancelotti will have to wait for another year. So uh, he probably has that in the back of his mind and he wants to succeed for the national team. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so friendlies coming up, uh, or excuse me, not friendlies, World Cup qualifiers, Peru and Bolivia, winnable games. Um, also, we've got some Olympic qualifiers coming up. The team released, um, and as, as ever, uh, U23 players, I don't think, are um, are uh, mandated to be released by their club. So who knows if this is the squad that's actually going to be playing in these games. But uh, players like Vitor Roque, uh, Marcos Leonardo, of course, um, getting the call. Um, some players that moved to Europe as well, Lazaro, um, Igor Pachau, uh, former Coritiba man, Andre Santos uh, from Chelsea. And I was happy to see this Mauricio from Internacional, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and uh, Gabriel Grande, Grando, excuse me, uh, as well. So um, plenty of uh, really talented players all around the pitch. Uh, Enric, any comments on this one before we uh, move it on to the, the entree of this podcast, which would be, of course, the Brasileira? Yeah, these are some cool names. Uh, obviously, we're not really used to seeing players like these get called up because we're usually watching the national team. But yeah, the Olympics, uh, it's going to be a good tournament. And I like the choices here. Many young players, talents that we're probably going to see in the 2026 World Cup and even more importantly, in the 2030s. So Enrique is not there. I don't know why that's a decision made by the coach, but yeah, Marcos Leonardo, we got our Santos striker there. So we'll have to see. Uh, I hope they do really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so plenty to look forward to, but let's switch it on over to our favorite topic, Brasil Uh, Another great week uh, in the country of Brazil. Um, and kind of a week of comebacks, you could say. Um, let's start with uh, Botafogo facing Internacional. Uh, Botafogo fresh off uh, advancing in the Copa Sudamericana. Uh, but it's uh, Internacional who really kind of scare them, I think. Remember, no Chiquinho. Uh, he is unfortunately injured. And Bruno Laje really had to scramble uh, to assemble this team. Um and they looked a little bit shaky, especially Lucas Perry to start. Yeah, definitely. I watched his game live. And as soon as that goal went in by Mauricio in the 18th minute, I don't know why. For some reason, I made some tweets and I thought that this was over for Botafogo. Without Chiquinho Soares, they seemed like disoriented. And yeah, I thought that would have been it. The second half, Botafogo came completely different uh, compared to how they played in the first they got two quick goals in the 55th and 58th minute. And yeah, that set the tone of how the remainder of this match was going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you kind of glossed over it there, but Mauricio did get that first inter goal in the 18th minute. Uh, that's his third in the Brasileirao and, and eight goals and five assists uh, this year total. Um, can, you know, it shows you why he gets that call for the, uh, for the Olympic qualifiers. Uh, but you're right, the second half, it was completely different, and two players came on. Bruno Laje, admittedly, he saw his mistake, and he uh, changed up this team. Janderson, the striker, the young striker, uh, who I believe scored in Copa Sudamericana, um, and Luis Enrique, of course, uh, coming on. And what would you know? Uh, Luis Enrique assists on the first goal for Botafogo. Uh, Vitor Sa uh, completes that challenge or that 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 chance converts it. 
Um, and Jenderson uh, contributed to the play directly before the own goal. Um, and then uh, in the third goal, Internacional uh, coughed up. Uh, Luis Enrique was the goal scorer on a, on a very nice uh, counterattack. So Bruno Lage uh, maybe didn't get the team selection right, but he acknowledges that, makes the changes at halftime, and it it really works for them. So Botafogo can can win with Chiquinho, without Chiquinho, and um, they look to be kind of just uh, walking away with the trophy here now that um, even we're even though we're just at the halfway point. Yeah, this was again a great match, a great comeback for Botafogo. Obviously, they conceded a goal which we did not see too often in this competition, and probably the last one they conceded at home was the one against Coritiba, in which they also came from with a comeback or not a comeback after a one-one result. So. Yeah, at the end of the day, they get the three points, which is all that matters. And uh, until Chiquinho Suarez comes back, uh, they will ha have to push really hard and keep improving and getting the three points whenever possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Internacional with that draw or that loss, sink to 13th, no wins in their last seven. Um, in the Brasileirao, that is, uh, and their uh, their big win in uh, in the Retadores. Uh, doesn't exactly buoy them uh, in the domestic league. Um, so uh, let's keep it moving here. Atarco Monero beat Bahia. Um, we had, like I said earlier, Mauricio on uh, just, just yesterday. And he told us Bahia looked good in this game. I think he was uh, the color commentator on this match, uh, but uh, not good enough to beat Gallo, especially at home. Uh, Paulinho, uh, slots in uh, his fifth of the season, his 16th in all competitions. So scoring lots of goals. And again, no wonder why he gets that uh, Olympic qualifying uh, uh, call up. Um, Corinthians beating Coritiba 3 1. Uh, again, we talked about the comebacks. Uh, Coritiba scoring early, getting an own goal, uh, but uh, three uh, second half goals from Corinthians, all within about 17 minutes. Um, and, uh, they come storming back, including, uh, the third goal, which was just so classy from Wesley Gasova, um, Corinthians kind of new wonder kid that's coming through the ranks, uh, really nice finish from him outside the box. Um, well running, uh, really, really nice stuff. Corinthians unbeaten in their last 11 matches. So they're finally getting those, uh, those wheels to turn and, and, uh, hopefully should be, uh, seen some points out of their their turn of form, so uh, good for them. Uh, but Enric, we had a massive, massive game here. Gremio two, Fluminense one. Uh, both these teams uh, vying for some of the top spots in the league, um, and both of them have extremely potent gringo strikers. Uh, what did you see in this one? Because this one had goal fest written all over it. Well, I was absolutely impressed of uh, how this match went. I did not expect either team to score any goals. I thought that this would be either a 1-0 victory for either one or 0-0, and they proved me wrong. Uh, in the 19th minute, uh, Kino uh, moved well and passed it to Herman Cano, and he tapped it in, got the goal for Fluminense, and Gremio didn't give up at the other side. They made a comeback, not only in 90 minutes, but in the first half. And I was really impressed to see that uh, 
uh, despite Fluminense being really dangerous at the start, again, Yasanti and Vitello combine really well, and uh, Vitello gets the equalizer 1-1, and it didn't take too long in the 45th. It was Ferreira who got the second. And yeah, a uh, very entertaining first half. Uh, Fluminense had their chances in the second, obviously calls for potential penalty kicks, which they were not awarded in their favor. But yeah, Gremio gets the three points and much needed three points because um, when we saw the Copa do Brazil match against Flamengo in which they lost 2-0 uh, in the first leg, they needed to prove the fans with something and to do it in their own stadium against such a difficult rival was amazing for them. Yeah, absolutely. They, they uh, big, big time rivals this year. Um, and, uh, and Fernando Denise will be, will be very disappointed with this result. They've kind of struggled to piece together, piece together a, a legitimate title challenge here. Um, and, just a little bit unfortunate, uh, you know, especially as he's a Salisal manager and he's been really touted as the next big thing coming out of Brazilian coaching. Uh, would would like to see him um, him uh, do well, of course. Uh, Fluminense dominating a lot of the possession as well, uh, but we we've seen it. They they sometimes can lose pretty heavily when even when dominating the game on a possession basis. So. Uh, nothing new there. Like you said, Ferreira's second goal, very, um, very, very nice. And uh, Bitello combining with Suarez and uh, Villasante uh, for that uh, for that first goal. Uh, Herman Cano as well, getting the goal for, for Fluminense. Um, streaky, streaky player these days, uh, despite his absolutely crushing campaign uh, last year. But he's he's in some better form and hopefully he can he can power Fluminense um, to some more points because they're slipping down the table now in seventh. Um, <clears throat> it is bunched up, but uh, you know, a few more poor results and they, they could be uh, the wrong side of the, the top six. Uh, so uh, again, a great entertaining game um, and Gremio, the home side, of course, uh, getting a, a very good result there. All right. Let's keep it moving on. America Monero uh, dropping points um, once again um, to Goyas. Goyas, uh, 1-0 win. Uh, Fabian Bustos is back in Brazil, former Santos manager, uh, commanding America Monero now. And Enric, this one, America, just one of the most confusing teams in the world right now for me. They are just crazy good, it looks like, like on the continent. And then they come back to Brazil and they are just absolute trash. Again, they continue to be the worst team in Brazil, only 10 points. Um, and uh, they're definitely in some trouble. I think they're going to go down and it's not even going to be close. But like we were joking about last week, they might they might go through uh, a- and put together a campaign. So they, this might be this year's uh, Atarco Goianense, if you remember from last year. Um, so... Very confusing and uh, don't really know what to expect from them on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I thought also that America would at least get a goal and maybe win this match. They didn't. And despite them conceding first, uh, it's actually funny what happened at the end of the match. Probably in the 99th minute, they got an equalizer, but the goal was disallowed for offside. 
And when you look at the lines, there's actually an Goyas player behind. So the player, America, shouldn't be offside. But the rule says, which I actually learned in that match, that there should be at least two players uh, behind the line, including the goalkeeper. And because the goalkeeper was away, it didn't count. And yeah, the goal did not count for America either, which is very rare. I never saw that in a football match. And yeah, they get punished for that and they don't get any point out of this game. Surprising. Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, I didn't know. I wasn't aware of that either. Uh, but I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Because the keeper's always going to be behind that that offside line. But um, yeah, just unfortunate there. They get caught. And uh, I, I think they're going to go down regardless, even if they won here against Goyas. So uh, nothing too crazy there. But Enric, let's move it on. Probably the biggest match of this round here also very helpful very insightful when you think about Copa de Brazil we'll get there but spoiler alert spoiler alert excuse me uh this was a preview of what's going to be the Copa de Brazil final Flamengo versus Sao Paulo and in the end they do split the points but it very easily could have gone the away side's way uh, Dorival Jr., of course, back at Flamengo, this time behind the Sao Paulo bench. And Sao Paulo, of course, that big trio coming in this transfer window. Alexandre Pato started as alongside Lucas. James was on the bench. Uh, and wow, a electric start for Lucas Mora on his uh, debut back with the club. What a goal he scores on his birthday, no less. Uh, you can't write this. Yeah, crazy. Like the goal he scored is something that I never expected, despite him being very good when he was at PSG and even Tottenham. Uh, what a goal that was. He makes the right movement, finds a gap and scores. And sort of reminds me of the old uh, Lucas, not old, but the old times with Lucas Mora playing at Sao Paulo. He was 20 when he left in 2012. And yeah, he's been playing as if he was 20 years old still. So great to see. Uh, Jean Jay, I think uh, the backup keeper for Sao Paulo did amazingly well. And I really like that. Uh, he did not make any mistake. And despite a penalty kick, which was awarded in favor of Flamengo in the 90th minute, Pedro scored. Uh, you could actually see Jandre also moving in the right direction. Um, got a hand into the ball, was not able to stop it, but great performance by him. In the 85th, right before the penalty kick, uh, James Rodriguez, the newly brought player for Sao Paulo, made a beautiful uh, pass towards Wellington Rato. Uh, Mauricio also mentioned it on the previous episode. So, yeah. What could have been an amazing assist uh, with an amazing goal? Uh, Wellington misses the chance and it could have been 2-0 at that point. And yeah, when you miss chances like this, uh, the opponent will take opportunities and equalize. And that's what Flamengo did. Yeah, yeah. Sao Paulo, like you said, had them dead to rights on that chance. And and Wellington Otto, uh, unfortunately, just misses it. A player that I like, uh, like we were saying with Mauricio yesterday, or Mauricio was saying, uh, he was extremely mad uh, at Wellington Rato uh, for that for that miss. He had other options that were much better, but uh, a player that came in from Atletico Goianiense and it has been performing really well, uh, played well in the Copa Sudamericana. I think um, uh, like 
curled one over the crossbar, maybe even score. I can't even remember uh, in, in Sudamericana. But a player that I really like, um, but uh, just falling short. Uh, wanted to say too, James came on, got his 20 minutes. And like you said, beautiful ball, very technically gifted. He did look, I got to say, I don't know. Uh, he looked a little less fit than I remember him being. I didn't watch a lot of Greek Super League, so I haven't seen him in Olympiacos or uh, in Qatar before. But I think he had a little bit of uh, of weight that I wasn't used to seeing him. But technically a great player, and, and I'm sure he's going to have an impact like he already has. Um, was looking at Greeks. His stats from the Greek Super League were pretty good. Five goals, five assists uh, in 17 matches. Uh, so pretty, pretty, cool, pretty good player uh, in the Greek Super League for Olympiakos and uh, very nice debut here, uh, despite not playing a competitive match since April 9th um, of this year. So four months plus uh, and he comes in and, and almost contributes to a very nice goal. So James, Lucas, Pato, um, they're all starting off really, really well, especially, especially Lucas and Lucas. I think he's only like 31, 32. So he's really not even that old. Um, he could be a lasting uh, impact player for, for uh, Sao Paulo. And we talked about Alexandre Pato as well. And James, they're all very early thirties. And this could usher in a very uh, successful and fruitful period for Sao Paulo. And um this could be the new core of a team that makes runs in the Bertadores and, and Brasileirao. So, uh, and, and even Copa de Brazil. So we'll have to see what happens in the final. And uh, the only thing that we know for sure is this team is going to be very exciting for, uh, for the years to come. Um, again, if you want to hear more about that match, check out the, our just past episode 60 uh, with, uh, with Mauricio Destri, um, who was again on the ground uh, for that match and uh was very insightful so flamengo and sao paulo splitting the points um but let's keep moving on uh enric uh i think we we had a a, a match that we'd rather forget here fortaleza hosting santos and of course look i'm not going to make excuses for this team but it's never easy to play uh in the castellao but Fortaleza running away with it 4-0 at the end of the day. Uh, Diego Guri's um, first match managing Santos. Um, and uh, Fortaleza goes up 1-0 around the 60th. Um, and Santos goes into straight meltdown in the 80th. Three more goals in the last 10 minutes. Um, and just not a lot of positives that you can take out of this one. Maybe the only positive being that Mourinho didn't score uh, against us. So uh, big time loss for Santos and Fortaleza finally stopped their skid in the breast of the row. I think they had lost four or five in a row. Uh, they finally end up uh, with a win. Well, we kind of expected this result. Well, not four goals, but Santos losing. I don't think it was something that we didn't expect. And I'll be honest with you. I watched the first half and it did not look good. I thought that maybe we'll have a chance to eat, like, keep a clean sheet, 0-0, zero, zero, and get a point. And I'm so thankful that I had guests coming over at, at the beginning of the second half. I completely missed the second half, did not have any chance to watch the game. And still, I never even watched the highlights after. I don't know what happened. I just saw the 4-0 result at the end and said, oh, 
there you go. Four goals out of nowhere. Typical Santos. And yeah, I'm happy that I never watched that. For me, it's as if it never happened. So I'll keep it with, with that. And I don't know what other comment I can make about this team. Yeah, there's not a lot to say. It's a lot of doom and gloom. Um, one, I guess, small consolation is Thomas Rincon is uh, is signed, uh, another defensive midfielder, and God knows we need all the defensive help uh, we can get. And if you want to be an optimist, there are rumors. The deal is going to be extremely hard. He commands a very high salary. But we mentioned it again with Mauricio the other day. Alexis Sanchez is linked possibly with a move to Santos. Uh, the deal is in the works. There's contact. It's very real, but it's going to be a very hard deal to get done. It's unlikely that he comes just due to his salary, but uh, would be very, very, very nice signing. Uh, if only uh, for the hype that would bring. And I think it would be really, really, really uh, a very nice kind of um, uh, locker room signing. Keep, you know, teaching the night, the, the young kids, the ways, uh, imparting wisdom and uh hopefully bringing some some honor back to uh to santos yeah and also we have some other news uh rincon the former torino and juve player he joined santos uh, defender that's probably going to help us a lot and obviously get that connection with soteldo both venezuelans by the way and just today there was also rumors about uh istanbul bashakshi here fullback junior Kaichara I remember him in FIFA and yeah hopefully we get him I'm not sure if he's a left back or a right back I think he's a left back but either way uh Dodo can play on the right as he did for Inter Milan back in 2013 and yeah hopefully we get these new signings and change the rhythm of how the team plays in the Brasileirao yeah let's let's hope so um all right, let's keep the ball rolling, Enric. We've got to get to these Copa do Brazil matches coming up, but we're not quite done with the Brasileirão. Uh, Palmeiras won Cruzeiro nil. Um, not your standard Palmeiras win. Got to say it. Um, they didn't look them their lethal selves. We've talked about the machine that is Palmeiras, the green machine, but at no finish in this game. Uh, probably the much better of the chances. Um, but, you know, more or less, even when you, when you, uh, when you look at the game, Cruzeiro heavily blunted right now, of course, they're without Matthias uh, Pereira. Um, and they don't really have, I think a great striker. Um, and that's to say, even with Cruzeiro had a great opportunity late in the game, Wesley uh, run it, ran in one-on-one with the keeper and, Shot it wide, uh, devastating miss there. But they had to rely on Flaco Lopez uh, in the 90th minute. Rafael Vega uh, put the ball in, and and Lopez kind of stumbled into it. He barely got a piece of it, and uh, ends up uh, with some luck getting the goal there. Uh, but you can see why he gets criticized. It's only his second goal of the season, um, and. Uh, yeah, just kind of an unconvincing win from Palmeiras, which is something we're not used to seeing. They've had some bad form recently, and and it's kind of continuing despite them getting the three points here. In a weekly basis, we normally talk about teams 
playing and being very dominant at home in the likes of Fortaleza, Flamengo, and even a side like Goyaz that's probably in the lower side of the table. But uh, Palmeiras, it seems like they have missed that and they're not any longer the threatening team playing in the Allianz Park. So I don't know what they need to do differently. Obviously, Cruzeiro is a difficult side as they have proved to take points off big sides in the Brasileiro this season. But yeah, I was very surprised to see uh, in this match live only one goal and it took 97 minutes for that to be scored. Flaco Lopez getting a late header and I'm not even sure if he touched it. I think it was uh, the, the free kick cross from way far and he probably acted as if he had made a touch and Rafael Cabral got fooled and let the ball go into the net. So yeah, Palmeiras gets the three points and uh, Ronnie on the other side, uh, obviously he is one of the best strikers in the Brasileirao. Hasn't been scoring a lot lately and yeah, Palmeiras does not seem like that scary team that used to be in the competitions. Yeah, yeah. Again, on that Flaco Lopez goal, it was super, super weird. And if he did get a touch, it was the smallest little, small touch. Um, yeah, and it's never good when you got to rely on a backup player that is in under intense scrutiny uh, to get that go-ahead goal late, late, late. Uh, but they do, um, and they do get all three points. So let's keep it moving, Enric. A Red Bull Bragancino drawing with Vasco da Gama. Um, Vasco will cherish this point. Uh, Vegetti as well comes comes in uh, on loan from from Belgrano, filling Pedro Raul's shoes, uh, one of the best scorers in the league last year, and two games, two goals for the Argentine. Scores the pen here, um, and uh, Red Bull Braga would tie it up. Great half half volley from um, uh, from one of their players, uh, Gustavinho, I believe it was. Uh, really impressive goal, actually. Very uh, aesthetically pleasing. Um, and valuable point for Vasco, but Braga will be happy as well. They'll move to fifth place, which is just excellent for them. Uh, we definitely underestimated them, as we've mentioned before. But, Enric, the biggest news of the week regarding these two teams, it's not Eduardo Sasha's injury, which is big for Bull Bragancino, but... Vasco have a new number 10, a Frenchman. I think the only Frenchman in the first division in Brazil, Dimitri Payet. We talked about it last week. Uh, I think just in passing uh, that he was rumored. The rumors came to fruition. He has signed. I think he's in Rio as we speak. And this is huge, not only for the league, but for Vasco as well. They need lots and lots of help. They're trying to turn it around, um, but this signing should definitely help. Definitely. And yeah, it's a very surprising signing. And I did not expect maybe another Frenchman, sure, but not Dimitri Payet, given the career that he has playing in the Premier League and uh, in the French League as well. So yeah, I'm very excited to see what he can do and pay attention to Vasco da Gama. They have sold Pedro Raul to Toluca. And yeah, it seems like they are bringing many young, or not young, but important players that can potentially change the the path that the team is taking in the league. And they might have a chance in survival. Yeah, I, I really do hope so. I like them as a team. I like, the, like everything about them. So really hope they survive. Um, all right. 
last match here of the uh, of the round, Atletico Paranaense versus Cuiabá. And Cuiabá, I mean, Atletico must have been really uh, scared to drop the ball here because Cuiabá, red hot, of course, uh, just some of their victims in the last week. Fortaleza at the Castellao, uh, Sao Paulo, uh, Internacional, and Flamengo three nil over Flamengo last month or excuse me last week, um, and they finally get a taste of their own medicine. Atletico Paranaense beating them two nil. Uh, Canobio uh, scoring a nice little header there uh, right before halftime. Um, Avenzapelli. Uh, the new signing coming in from also like Vegetti uh, from Belgrano in Argentina. Um, he scores, he's wearing the number 10 for Atletico Paranaense. Uh, so nice little player there off the mark there, opens his account for the Furacao. And uh, Atletico Paranaense, uh, no losses in their last five. They're trying to pick up the pieces and move back into that top six top four area um, as they crashed out of the Libertadores, unfortunately against Bolivar, uh, but nice win for them and all things, all good things must come to an end. And Guiaba's win streak here has come to an end. And that wasn't for lack of trying Daverson as well, almost scored. It was so, so close. His header was inches away from the post went wide, but uh, he almost powered them to a, to a draw. So, Cutting it very, very close, but in the end, I thought it could take it. Yeah, this was a nice game, and I think I predicted last week that this will be the end of Cuiabá. They have gone uh, without a game losing for too long, so Atletico Paranaense seemed like the perfect team to do that, uh, playing in their home stadium and obviously coming from that loss to Bolivar in penalties in the Libertadores. So yeah, they had to get a result out of this match, and it's cool that Maybe it took uh, a little while for them to get that first goal, Canobio with a header, right before the end of the first half. But then Zapelli, I have some glimpses of memories about this goal, and I think this was one of the best goals scored in this round. Very far range and leaves the keeper shocked. Like we have a keeper. So, yeah, 2-0 for Atletico Paranaense. They get the three points, and it seems like they're doing really well as well. Uh, looking at the table... Um, Man, 19 weeks have passed by despite maybe Vasco and America sitting in the last two places. They have a game in hand, each of them. And Santos in the relegation zone as well, 17, uh, 17th, uh, 19 matches, 18 points. So not even a point per match, which I don't like seeing. And then you got teams like Corinthians and Internacional sitting closely in the table, uh, five or six points away from Santos. Uh, Atletico Mineiro in 10th, uh, Sao Paulo in 9th, both with 27 points. And then Cuiabá out of nowhere sitting in 8th place. So a very surprising result and to see them ranked there. And hopefully uh, at the end of match week 38, uh, I would like them to, to be in that 17th spot Let's just switch it up with Santos. Santos gets eight, <laughs> and we have uh, 17th. Uh, both, of, both of us would agree to that. And first place, Botafogo, 47 points, and currently 13 points away from Palmeiras. And yeah, it, it seems like there's no stopping to these guys. If in the next 10 match weeks, they still remain up by 10 points, then 
it's 99% sure that they are winning this particular round. Very much deserved, by the way. They have been playing really well, and it's something that we don't see often. Usually in the Brazilian row, there's teams that move so much high up the table. You look at last season when we had Flamengo, Palmeiras, Fluminense, all of them combining second and third spot positions for so long, and even the first uh, position team. Uh, so yeah, Botafogo to be by more than 10 points up from their opponents it's very cool and a team that nobody really expected to win this competition so yeah it's been really great and i can't wait to see how the other 19 match weeks will go for these teams yeah for sure and and not all teams have played 19 matches some uh had some delays due to various other engagements and other competitions but uh, but it is that halfway for most. And Enric, I'm just looking back, taking a look back at our predictions. And uh, you kind of went through the table, but I do want to highlight some of our most egregious misses. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Red Bull Bragancino, of course, sitting in 15th place right now. They're in fifth. Um, so our prediction way off or excuse me, 16th place for Red Bull Braga in our prediction episode. Um, we're pretty far off with that and we underestimated them. Uh, Ba, we had, Enric, do you remember this? 20th place, the bottom of the pile. And uh, sitting up in eighth, coming off just that win streak, uh, ended this week. So uh, very, very egregious miss there for us. But we weren't wrong about everything. Uh, we had Gremio high up the table. They're in third right now. We predicted them ending in fourth in our aggregate table. Uh, so we can go ahead and pat ourselves on the back for that. And then, of course, Botafogo. No one had them top, um, but uh, we had them in 10th place. So um, quite a bit of room there between reality and uh, our predictions. But again, hey, we're only halfway. So uh, I'm with you, and I can't wait to see what these uh, these next 19 weeks are going to hold. Um before we move to Copa do Brazil, Enric, uh, looking at some stats here, no surprise here, Chiquinho Suarez powering Botafogo to the top of the table, and he is top of the scoring list as well, 13 goals. Um, you've got Vitor Roque, Deverson, uh, and Roger Geddes, no longer in the league, of course, uh, all with eight. Um, and then Hulk and Marcus Leonardo with seven. So um, those are the top three uh, goal scorers, assists, Gerson controls that that category. Six assists for Flamengo. And Lucas Pehi, uh, 11 cleans, cl cleans sheets in 19 matches. Again, the Botafogo player, very impressive. Um, Enric, any thoughts uh, as you look at some of the highest uh, statistical leaders of the Brasileiro 2023? Well, two other names that I did not expect to be there in the clean sheets. Clayton for Rubber Bragantino with eight of them, and then Rafael Cabral of Cruzeiro with seven. So two keepers that we probably don't hear too often in this podcast. But yeah, there you go. There you have them, and they're doing really good for their respective squads. And looking at the discipline as well, we have to mention the yellow and red cards that some of the players have been getting a lot. Obviously, Kahneman, he has eight yellows, one red. Probably the red card is the one he got against Internacional. So he, you could consider him as the uh, Felipe Melo of Fluminense. So, yeah, Lucas Oliveira as well with Cruzeiro. He has four yellow cards, two reds. And yeah, um, that's how the table looks. And 
some of the important stats in this competition so far. All right. Uh, well, let's move it on over to the Copa do Brasil semifinal. Um, we said it was a week of comebacks, and this one definitely qualifies. Sao Paulo hosting Corinthians in the Murumbi. Of course, I have to mention it, keep mentioning it. But again, guys, if you haven't listened to the episode with Mauricio Destri just before this one, go listen to it. He goes into depth about the atmosphere, um, walking in, you know, his his VIP uh, entourage and, and, and setup that he's got going there. But this one was absolutely electric. Lucas Mora again on the score sheet for Sao Paulo uh, as they come back, win 2-0 in this leg, meaning they win 3-2 on aggregate. And they have a shot to win their first Copa do Brasil. Um, but a very exciting game and one in which Sao Paulo really took over. Yeah, what a game this was, Peter. I think I told you before that despite Sao Paulo losing 2-1 in Corinthian Stadium in the first leg, they still have plenty of chances of qualifying and I knew that they would score not only one but two goals and get the job done in 90 minutes so you could see that and especially in the opening 15 minutes of the game Sao Paulo was attacking really early and they had 75% possession and six shots on target so that tells you of how the team is motivated Uh, also Mariso sent me last night the video of the busty door as we talked about of Sao Paulo and it's crazy atmosphere, and if you just watch that video, you would absolutely understand how the team and the players felt before the game with fans supporting them, and there was no way that Corinthians would get something out of this match. And talking about shots, what a goal that was by Wellington Rado. Um, Casio clears the ball away from his box. Uh, the ball ends up turn being turned back wellington gets it and he scores from very far and yeah that was really cool to see and didn't take long in the 32nd minute lucas mora gets the second goal uh, a beautiful header hit the post comes back and then he pushes it in with his body and in the 37th casio saves lucas mora's shot once again after his kicking move with his feet while diving in the opposite direction so overall it was a very impressive first half for Sao Paulo in the second around the 60th minute mark Caleri he tried to do some magic crosses his feet and tries to do a magic shot which I don't even know the name of it but yeah it gets saved by Casio and what a wasted chance it was despite being offside still I don't like when players do types of plays like that which they miss open opportunities just to do something really random a minute later Wellington Rado again misses a golden opportunity with a ball uh, that gets laid to his feet and then he skies it above the crossbar Corinthians seemed like they woke up around the 70th minute and were unable to do anything really dangerous in the 87 uh, 82nd minute Rafael he makes a wonderful save and uh, saves Rojas shot which could have gone in could have made it 3-3 on aggregate and Sao Paulo could have seen themselves in penalty kicks just like the game against uh, Sport Recife and that could have been a completely different story and luckily for them they get the winner and advance to the final and it's going to be a cool final to see Dorival play there once again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, um, Wellington Otto, uh, 
came under some criticism uh, that last game against Flamengo maybe could have earned them the win, but an absolute standout uh, um, performance from him in, in this one, got the goal, assisted on Lucas's goal, and then he almost had that uh, that that uh, third goal for Sao Paulo. That was the goal, actually, that I was thinking of uh, when I mentioned that earlier in the episode. But uh, Wellington Hato really making up for his uh, maybe misdeeds uh, against Flamengo. You're right to point out that um, that Matias Rojas uh, shot. Um, really good player. We talked about him, of course, with Mauricio. Um, and Rafael just shoves it up, uh, up above the post, or excuse me, the crossbar, and uh, just saves them, like you said, from penalties and all the, the anguish and um, anxiety that that would bring. So really great team effort there. Everyone uh, looking at uh, the, the SOFA score match rankings, more or less everyone has a very, very nice uh, player score. And Corinthians can't say the same thing about them. Only the one shot on target. Uh, you have here in the dock, Enric, they look a little bit different, less dangerous without Roger Gads. Uh, they're getting uh, some decent results in the breast of the row, uh, but just a little bit blunted in uh, in Copa do Brasil. Uh, Yuri Alberto off target, and um, even the player that scored popped up and scored in the first leg, Hanato Augusto, uh, not getting it done. So uh, in the end, I think you're right, Sao Paulo, the rightful winners, and they will claim their spot in the final. Um, they will face, of course, Flamengo. We've said it a bunch of times. Flamengo, aggregate 3-0 defeat of Gremio. Uh, this game, just the one goal in it, Flamengo hosting Gremio, 1-0. Uh, Georgian de Hascaeta uh, getting that penalty shot. Uh, but still, a very entertaining game. Uh, and um, it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, maybe Gremio doesn't have a chance to vie for a trophy. They've had a very... Very entertaining season so far, and you'd love to see Suarez uh, get his hands on some more silverware, or at least compete for it. Uh, but that might be better for them. They might be able to concentrate on the breast of the row and finish up as high as possible and uh, earn that Libertadores spot. Yeah, an interesting game here as well. And contrary to what I thought would happen in the Fluminense Gremio match, which we talked about, I thought in this game, we would see a lot of goals, and we did not. Uh, I predicted maybe a 1-0 Gremio victory, which was gone completely in the opposite direction with Flamengo scoring. But yeah, the game overall was exciting. In the seventh minute, uh, Bruno Enrique made a jump shot, uh, amazingly mm -hmm. saved by Gabriel Grando. And even the commentators said the Grando, Grande keeper, like the big keeper. So uh, that tells you how good this guy is. And uh, in the second half, Mateo Scunia does the same with Suarez shot. Gremio also hit the post from outside the box. And uh, yeah, what a miss that was, because if that had gone in, they would have needed only one more goal to send the game in penalty kicks. Uh, Rodrigo Ali uh, became the man of the show around the 60th minute. Uh, he awarded the penalty kick in favor of Flamengo after the handball touch in the box. And yeah, Flamengo gets their third uh, penalty in three games. First one was against Gramio in their first leg in which Gabigol missed it. 
And then the second was the penalty that Pedro scored against Sao Paulo in the Brasileirao. And now Arascaeta gets his chance. He also scores, uh, gives Flamengo the 1-0 victory. And yeah, that's it. That's the story. And Gremio's run in this Copa do Brasil is over. Bitello, a very nice player. I like his moves and everything about him. He's very young, talented, and has a lot to prove in his career. But it seems like whenever the ball is in his left side, he just throws the whole chance away just to get the ball on the other foot with a strong foot. And yeah, there was one chance like that in which he completely missed. And when you wait and wait for the ball to go to your favorable direction, then the other opponents are going to take credit off that and take the ball off your feet. So there you go, another missed chance. And again, Flamengo reaches the final back-to-back after last year. Dorival Jr., we talked about him a lot and... I hope he does what nobody did. He proves the Flamengo directors, not fans. He proves them wrong of what they did to him last season without renewing his contract. And yeah, I hope Sao Paulo wins this Copa do Brazil and qualify for the Libertadores next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, Enric, that is an episode. Let's just briefly look forward uh, to the week and the weekend coming up. Uh, of course, midweek, we've got Libertadores and Sudamericana fixtures uh, going in. But let's zero in on the Brasileirao. Um, some more really big matches. Uh, Brazil always delivers uh, when it comes to these big matches. So we've reset it. Uh, we're going back to the start. Uh, the matches play in the same uh, order as the uh, the first round here. So uh, match day one, you'll remember Botafogo and Sao Paulo, really entertaining game. Um, and I think that's got to be the biggest fixture of this uh, of this week 20 of the top division in Brazil. Yeah, and back again to them first match week. Palmeiras won 2-1 to one against Cuiabá at home. So now I'm interested to see what will happen in Cuiabá Stadium with Davison. So that will be an important game. And then you got uh, games like Cruzeiro and Corinthians, which Corinthians won away from home. Cruzeiro is much different now. And the same goes for Vasco da Gama. They got that surprising victory in the first round against Atletico Mineiro. But I don't think they're capable of doing that once again here in this match. And then you got Santos Gremio, the game that ended 1-0 in favor of the Gauchos in the first round. Penalty missed by Luis Suarez. And yeah, hopefully while playing in Villa Belmiro, this is going to be an important game. We got fans coming back since the game against Corinthians. So hopefully a nice result out of that game. And I, I'm going to predict a, a draw here. Hopefully we get a win. But yeah, a loss in this match will be devastating for our club. And then you got Internacional against Fortaleza. Uh, I believe this game ended 1-1 in Fortaleza in the first round. So, yeah, Inter now has a chance to hopefully win this game. So it's going to be an exciting week, a lot of action. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see because for the first time ever, uh, we're watching the results that happened in the first leg of the Brasileirao, and now we get to see what happened in the second. So it's surely going to be a nice run in this other 19 weeks left in the Brasileirao. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, Enric, another episode in the books. Um, I think the next one will be our anniversary episode, our one-year uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, just 
uh, can't wait. Um, and we're going to have a lot more content coming out soon. Uh, some collaborations with some of our friends, new friends, old friends, and, uh, and everything in between. So thanks everyone so much for listening and we'll see you next time.